Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 11. We are thrilled you're with us today to worship the Lord, to examine His words together. In Matthew 11, beginning with verse 25, At that time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. you to keep your Bibles open and to keep your eyes closely upon the text as we seek to explain it today. In Matthew 11 verses 20-24 Jesus rebuked some of the cities where he had done most of his mighty miracles because they refused to repent. But he thanks God that he's hidden these things from the wise and intelligent. Now Luke also records this statement. In Luke 10, verses 21 and 22, you have a parallel to Jesus' prayer here in Matthew 11, 25 through 27. There you find not only that these cities have rejected Jesus, but you find the 70 come back with the news. Even the demons were subject to us in your name. I praise you, Father. That you've revealed these things to babes. I praise you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent. And you've revealed them to infants. Is being wise and intelligent a disqualification from the kingdom of God? No. But being proud is. Being proud is. And often the mighty, the powerful, the wise, according to this world, are willing to listen to Him. Because they don't want to glory in God and acknowledge Him, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31. I praise you, Father, that you've hidden these things for the wise and intelligent. And you've revealed them to infants. You've revealed them to babes. Is being ignorant a qualification for the kingdom of God? No. But being humble is... I praise you that you've hidden these things from those who are so wise that they think they don't need you. But those with a childlike spirit 
who recognize their dependence upon you. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? They asked Jesus. And he took a child and he said, whoever receives me is his child. He's great in the kingdom of heaven. If you're willing to humble ourselves and understand our dependence upon him. It's interesting too that words like hidden, revealed, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him are all used to emphasize God's choice in this matter. But words like come and take my yoke are used to emphasize man's choice. Biblical Christianity is God choosing us, but us responding of our own free will to Him. But I praise you that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to babes. Because yes, Father, it is well-pleasing in your sight. And Jesus... Jesus knows God like no one else knows God. As verse 27 says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. If we were blindfolded, so to speak, and read that passage and asked what gospel is it in, I would say the gospel of John. But this is not. It's recorded in Matthew and Luke 10, as we already stated, has a similar statement. The intimate knowledge between the Father and the Son. And only the Son can fully understand the Father. We as finite beings, if we knew everything there was about God, could not fully grasp it because God is an infinite being. But Christ, as an infinite being, can grasp the infinite Father and explain Him to us. No one knows the Father Except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. There were a couple of talk show hosts on television. I will at least say to their credit, sometimes they had religious guests who claimed to be the, believe the Bible and preach the Bible. And they rejoiced in asking them this question. Is Jesus the only way of salvation? One of these people, a lady who was very popular and in some ways very kind, said that she was a Christian, but she believed there were many ways to God. Is Jesus the only way to God? No one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son 
wills to reveal Him. I am the way, the truth, and the life, as we say. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, verse 6. He who has seen me has seen the Father. In John 14, in verse 9. When Peter and John healed the lame man and were called on trial, if we're on trial for this good deed done to this lame man, let it be known to you that we healed him in the name of Jesus and there is salvation in no other name. Only Jesus knows the Father. Only Jesus died for you. Only Jesus was raised for your justification. Yes, Jesus is the way of salvation. And let me beg you, particularly those who are younger, think through that issue. Think through it. Because you're going to be asked about that. But do you know what the effort is? The effort is to make Christianity look exclusive and intolerant. What does Jesus say? Come unto me, all, all who labor and are heavy laden. This invitation that the way of salvation gives us is extended to all people. It does not matter the color of their skin. It does not matter the nation of their birth. It does not matter their economic status. It does not matter their education level. It matters whether they're willing to listen to Him. No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. And this one who gives His invitation to all, this one died for all. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. None are so loving and so kind and so inclusive in the right way as Him. Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the way, but this invitation is to everyone you need. And it's to you. All who are weary and heavy laden. That word weary is used sometimes in the Bible of people who were physically weary after a hard day's work. It's the Word used, for example, in John 4, 6, when Jesus sat down at the well because he was weary. Paul uses it for his hard work in Acts 20 and verse 35. And the Bible says that we're all to labor with our hands using this same word, Ephesians 4 and verse 28. Come to me all who are weary and all who are heavy laden. Are you weary? 
Are you tired? Are you carrying a heavy burden? It's not specified. It's not specified. Exactly weary of what? We're burdened with what? But I think it becomes clear if we think about Jesus. Listen to these words from Isaiah 1 verse 4. Isaiah said, Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity. Weighed down with iniquity. Are you weary and heavy laden from carrying a burden of sin? Some of you may have heard before of Pilgrim's Progress. Tony has had a personal ministry to inform us all about it. In Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim takes, carries his burden. Everywhere he goes, a burden that almost crushes him to despair. Until he realizes that Jesus can take the burden away. If you are here this morning, and your conscience is accusing you, and your heart is heavy, because you are carrying a burden of sin, You have come to the right place. For he invites all who carry that burden, who bear that load, to come to me. Come to me, all you who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I have talked to people who have borne heavy burdens for long times, but burdens are lifted. At Calvary, and he invites all who come to him, all come to him who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The very way he speaks shows his deity. He will give rest. In Jeremiah 6 and verse 16, the text tells us. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and ask for the ancient path where the good way is and walk in it and you shall find rest for your souls. And unfortunately the people responded, we will not walk in it. But here Jesus is the one who can provide this rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke And learn from me in the school of Jesus. Jesus is the teacher and Jesus is the subject study. He is the curriculum. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In the Bible, the idea of yoke is 
It is something by which you bind animals together so that they work in tandem. But in the Bible, it is often a picture of subjection and submission. And often, quite frankly, a picture of an oppressive submission. For example, God promises Israel... In Isaiah 14 verse 25, that he is going to break his yoke and it will be removed from you. I'm going to break the yoke of Assyria. You might remember the prophet Jeremiah put a wooden yoke around his neck in Jeremiah 27 and symbolized that all nations would be subject to the king of Babylon. Those yokes are burdensome. Those yokes are oppressive. In contrast to those yokes, Jesus calls us to learn from Him. And He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Now, why is... Why is His yoke easy? And his burden lie. And and, and does that fit with everything he says to this point in the gospel? You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that if you look upon a woman to lust after her in your heart, You've already committed adultery. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a soul. I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law and a man's foes will be those of his own house and he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If any man, one we haven't gotten to yet, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. Really, we have seen it in Matthew 10, 38. But we'll see it again in Matthew 16, verse 24. What I'm saying is we can't take this statement. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And automatically conclude that the easier way is the right way. We can't automatically conclude that. And Jesus has called us to some very with some very strong words. So how could it be said my yoke is easy and my burden Slide. When I say the word boss, and particularly speaking of your boss at work, what image 
Jesus that conjured up. For some of you, it's not a good one. For others, you're somewhat indifferent. But for some, it's a pleasant mention. Maybe that's just a few. But for some, that's a pleasant idea. I hope for those who are self-employed, it's a pleasant idea. <laughs> Whether or not the yoke is heavy or the yoke is wide depends on whose yoke you're taking up. And what is the nature of this one who asks us to take his yoke? In verse 29, I am gentle and humble in heart. The one who asks us to take his yoke, the one who asks us to make him our absolute priority above everyone and anything in our life, is one who is gentle. Now this particular word is a rare word. It was used in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 verse 5 when Jesus said, Blessed are the gentle, or sometimes we translate it, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The same word is used here. The same word is used in Matthew 21 verse 5 when Jesus comes riding to Jerusalem on a donkey. And they said, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, and a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is described in that passage as gentle. He is gentle and humble of heart. Humble. When we think of the word humble, we don't think of how can God who rules all things be humble? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But consider one another as more important than yourselves. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And though he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. And he humbled himself to become obedient to death. Even the death on the cross. I want to tell you something about our Master, our Lord. Our Savior, Jesus. He has done much more for us than He ever asked of us. He has humbled Himself to die the worst type of death to bring us to God. He is gentle and humble of heart. 
That doesn't mean he doesn't give strong rebukes. That doesn't even mean he doesn't give strong rebukes to his disciples. But you look at the disciples and the picture of them throughout the Gospels. And when you start looking at them and looking at all their flaws and looking at all their foolishness and looking at how they fail to understand, he doesn't give up on them. He doesn't. Give up on them. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. One reason that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, one reason for that is because his nature as Lord and Savior and King and Master. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's because of where this road ends. The destination of this road. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. All through the Bible, after sin has entered the world, man has desperately been looking for rest. Do you remember these words in Genesis 5, 29? This one, his name was called Noah, and it said, This one shall give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands, arriving from the ground which the Lord has cursed. There's a wordplay between the word Noah and the word rest. And he's called Noah because he will give us rest. Give us rest. And God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that one day he would give them the land of Canaan. He would give them a land flowing with milk and honey and they would have rest from all their foes. And God kept that promise in Joshua 21, in verse 44, in Joshua 22, in verse 4. In the book of Judges, sometimes after a judge threw off an oppressor, they had rest for 40 years in the days of Othiel, or 80 years as in the days of Ehud, both in Judges chapter 3. But ultimately, his yoke is easy and his burden is light because of where the road ends. Two groups of travelers. One group of travelers is having a great time. There are no rules. You can do anything you want on this particular path. And there's a lot of shouting and there's a lot of celebration. And people are having fun on the way to their destination. But their destination is off a cliff. The other side is not quite as popular. There are not as many people walking that path. And sometimes there are tears shed on that path. And the people are helping one another and comforting each other and trying to hold each other up to make it to the end of the path. But at that end of the path, 
is life. Glorious life. Beyond anything we know or experience here. You shall find rest for your souls. There is a sense in which we as Christians experience His rest present. And yet there is a sense in which that rest is still future. Hebrews 3 and 4 talk of this, but Hebrews 4, 1 through 11 in particular, this rest which is in some senses present is what we long for. It is the blessing at the end of the way. Whether the road is always easy or always comfortable or whether we find it easy to listen to all he said, he is gentle and humble in heart. And the road leads to glory, to rest. In verse in verse 30, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That same word, light, I only found used one other time in the New Testament. I may have overlooked something. But that word is used in this passage. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That passage is 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. And just as Jesus says, my burden is light, Paul talks about the afflictions of this life being momentary and light. And they are light only because the weight of glory that awaits is far beyond anything that we can't imagine. You shall find Rest for your souls. Let us pray. O Lord our God, in light of our sin and our foolishness, we are amazed that you have given us Jesus as the way, the truth and the life. That you have given him to us to guide us to you. And we thank you for the kind of God that you are. That your commandments are not burdensome. We thank you that you are a gentle and humble master who guides us in the right path and forgives us as we walk along the way. 
for those who face difficulties and distresses. We pray, O God, that you hold them up and help us to hold them up. Because we do not want to miss the rest that you have prepared for your people. Oh Lord, help us to walk close to you and help us to point all we can, all who are humble and infants and babes, help us to point all them we can to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you carrying a burden of sin? Are you haunted by things you've done? Sitting down on someone's couch and pouring out your heart isn't going to lead those things to be forgiven. But Jesus came. Jesus died for us and rose again for our justification, as Romans 4.25 says. He died and rose for us. He reveals the Father. And He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to follow Him and you want to take those first steps today, if you believe He died for you and rose again, if you're willing to repent of your wrongs and be baptized in Christ, we want to help you as we stand and sing.